Welcome to Cannabis Tech Talks, your weekly source for news and insights at the intersection of cannabis and technology. Shout out to our title sponsor, PolyScience, for supporting this podcast and helping us bring you the latest developments in this exciting field. I'm Patricia Miller, Executive Editor with Cannabis and Tech Today. Joining me for this episode is Sarah Jane Bergman, otherwise known as the Hash Sommelier. She is a social media influencer and entrepreneur who combines cannabis concentrates with food or beverages to create special experiences. In this episode, we'll discuss her social media strategy and cover some tips for elevating your brand through collaborative marketing. Let's dive in. So tell me about your business. How do you make your money and what's kind of the goal of Hash Sommelier? So I I do basically a lot of odds and ends, um, a lot of freelance work too. Um, As for the goal of Hash Sommelier, I basically... I want to do continue to share my pairings with everybody and basically do pairing events and little bars um, pop-ups because I, I like to travel and I, I love the lounge scene and the social club, mm. but I'm not necessarily one to want to have my own club and be stuck in one physical location all the time. So this allows me to bring what I love, my pairings, my fruit and dab pairings or food and dab pairings and uh, my consulting services all over to a range of areas and share them with a wider audience. Oh, that's so cool. That sounds really fun. Thank you. I, yeah, I know. It's, it's hard. Something in rather than like a lot of people, you know, you go into a job, I'm literally having to create a job and a, you know, a career for myself from scratch. So it's been a lot of, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of struggles, a lot of trial and error. Um, During the whole time, like I was hash sommelier, they created the the Gondier program, which is a cannabis sommelier certification program, which I've done the first um, step of certifications. I got my Gondier certification, but it was just funny. I was like, I, I can't just go and be Gangie because I was like, before you guys even had that program, I was Hashimoyer. So I'm still keeping that. That's my name. That's my title. That's, I've got, you know, bottled web, have the Instagram, even though it's been deleted. I even managed to get the same handle back. <laughs> wow. So I, a lot of work has gone into it. Yeah, that's... That's a journey. And how does the uh, certified Ganjie, how does that play into your your business? I would imagine it just, you know, helps give you a better understanding, more education on what you're already doing. It's a, it's a great program. Um, it's something that I feel that I could probably, it, it's something that it gives you a little basis of like how the entire industry works. Um, it's great for people that have some knowledge, a little knowledge, a lot of knowledge. You know, there's definitely things I learned in there uh, that I didn't know otherwise. But there's definitely a lot of stuff that um, just for as long as I've been in the industry, it was like, okay, we covered this. We covered this. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see when they add other um, steps to the certification, other levels, other tiers. 
I would definitely be interested in that because I'm I'm more hash oriented personally, and I'm more modern hash oriented. Um, whereas a lot of stuff that they teach and a lot of stuff that people tend to cling to just because of certain people that are involved in stuff tends to be some of the stuff that's more on the traditional end. Which that's great and all. I definitely think we need the knowledge of that, but we're also looking at more innovation. So I feel like where the industry needs to be going is focusing on that innovation. Um, but I feel then again, just because of what I've already been doing with my pairings and stuff, I'm kind of like three levels ahead, and I'm like, I'm I'm where you'd be on the advanced courses, just because I'm looking into okay, how do we, you know, pair these certain terpene classes or, you know, look at what these terpenes are, terpenes in food, and how does this affect the THC, um, CBD, CBN breakdown, all of that stuff. And they haven't even, you know, we're not even there yet. The science, you know, it's, it's still my pet project, honestly. <laughs> I spend way too much time reading scientific papers with not a whole lot of scientific knowledge, but I get through it. Just so that way I have like an understanding of what I'm looking at because it's like, okay, I'm trying to understand how when I'm, you know, pairing like a strawberry and OG, for example, what's happening, you know, with adding the additional turkeys to give you a different effect and a different flavor. And so yeah, that's something that I what I'd really love to do is get a lot of the labs involved and to help me kind of understand what I'm looking at. Well, it sounds like maybe you would have a career in teaching if you chose to to pursue that direction. I think so. There's there's, there's been a few offers. It's I but I, you know, it's one of those that it's like I it's something I definitely would love to teach. Um I just want more understanding before I feel comfortable teaching it, to be honest. It's like, you know how you're just that perfectionist, you're always in pursuit, and it's like, not quite there yet, but everybody's like, oh, no, you know so much. And I'm like, no, but I really know so little. <laughs> yeah. I can relate to that. In, um in this journalism field, I'm constantly trying to write about things that I wish I understood better. Um, so I, I totally get you there. Um. Let's talk about your your social media presence a little bit. So you mentioned earlier that your um, hash sommelier has been banned. Is it back now? Have you dealt with a lot of bans for that site? Um, for hash sommelier, it's permanently shadow banned. It's been deleted before. Um, and then somehow I looked like my, I kept trying to get it back, kept trying to get it back. Then I was just like, fuck it, let me try and create a new with that handle. And it, that handle was available. So I'm like, okay, it's at least giving me my handle back. But that means they've permanently deleted that, all of this post, all of this content. Mm-hmm. But, you know, partner company on Facebook, on the page, all of that still lives. All live. All of those posts. So, yeah, that double standard. Mm-hmm. On my other... Uh, my main account that I had before I did Hashimoyer, the one that I've had for, uh, it's been a decade now, <laughs> the Sarah Jane 421, um, that one has probably been deleted or um, not deleted, but 
basically, yeah, I guess deleted, but uh, I've gotten it back every time. Yeah, for about probably about 15 to 20 times now. Wow. I think last year alone, at about five to 10 times, it was that last year they came down really hard. I, I, I got away fine. 2015 was the first time I had, I dealt with it. I dealt with it before most people were um, deleted. And I, the very first time I got it, I wrote to them. I wrote a letter, you know, explaining like how they were wrong and blah, blah, blah. Heard nothing back. Then like a month later, I said, fuck it. I wrote another email, just very straight and to the point, you know, my account was, um, I believe my account was flagged in error, you know, I, you know, and just very business got my shit back within 24 hours. Nice. Like I saying that we've been in error and got it restored. So I was one of the first to realize once it's deleted, you can get it back. Okay. That's a big and deal. I dealt with it several times throughout the years and it didn't really get bad. Like I, I had a great web presence. Um, I would, I would come up in the searches, I'd be on the, um, popular page and then through like 2018 and then about 2019, we started dealing with more shadow bans. And at that point it became really hard. And then I say about 2020, they just like into the pandemic, they went crazy with starting the late 20. 2020 into 2021. 2021 was the year they did, I got deleted like 10 times. Wow. And I mean, I get it back every single time. I'm still rocking the same account, but its visibility is down to nothing. Yeah. So you have to be creative in how you market yourself. And, you know, I realized, you know, posts don't get any interaction anymore. Um, even reels don't get a whole lot of interaction stories. If you post them right when you get the blue plus on it, you'll get the most interaction. That's what I kind of stick with these days with more stories than anything. Hmm. Um, but as far as gaining followers and gaining visibility, and I'm sure it's something people notice, but they don't really, they, you know, people wonder why do all the big accounts interact with one another? Are they all comment? on their each other's posts that is why it's because that's where i get most of my new followers most of you know my new people is interacting with other major accounts that have you know a hundred plus follower hundred thousand plus followers or even you know fifty thousand plus followers just writing in their comments you know commenting on something i get more interaction and more followers from that than i do anything that i did traditionally Interesting. So that's giving you visibility on those not banned channels so that your shadow band. But we're at this point, we're sharing followers. Yeah. People uh, on the big account, human nature, you know, I believe is I got a lot of people, they go down and they read all the comments. And so when people are reading the comments, they see something they like, something that interests them, they go to that account. Okay. Look at that doing it follow that person interesting yeah i've been seeing that but it's good to hear um to hear you that you you know you're really following and making sure that you you can see the process and what's happening because i think 
um, especially for people who maybe social media isn't their first, isn't like their passion. They're not jazzed about it. They're just doing it as part of like their business development. I think that kind of information can really be valuable as to like, what am I doing wrong? Well, you've got to interact. You've got to be on the platform. Absolutely. Because just posting and, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's the same as anything, you know, nobody wants to see your fucking advertisement. <laughs> yeah. Like, he gives a shit about what you're selling. They don't give a shit about what your friend's company is selling. That's like an honor. That's a fucking commercial. What do we do for commercials? We skip commercials. Mm. But what do people like nowadays? They like interaction. They like drama. They want to be entertained. Most of all, people come to social media to be entertained. And that's something I struggle with, too, because I go and I make these passionate posts about what I'm doing, you know. And at the end of the day, I can post, repost something of somebody doing some sort of funky walk that I think is absolutely retarded. <laughs> and that gets more interaction than this heartfelt post with information that, you know, I truly care about. But that is just, that's the nature of the beast. And that's the, that's the sad reality is that, you know, people are here for entertainment. So they wanted the things to be kept short, simple, entertaining, to the point, and lighthearted. That's really well said, I think. Um and I know you'll showcase, you know, other brands on your on your platform, but you're doing it in a way that I don't think comes off as a commercial and it still manages to, you know, st- stimulate engagement and get people looking at those brands. Do you have a a strategy for how you choose which companies to showcase? I'm glad you asked that. Absolutely. I have become very picky. I probably turned down about, I'd say a good 90% of paid influencer offers, maybe even higher than that, that I get. And the reason being is just for what I said. I don't want my page to be a commercial. I don't want to become one of these cheesy gimmicky influencers. I want people to genuinely care and, you know, take what I'm saying to heart. I want my endorsements a brand to be genuine. I don't want to just do it for the money. I mean, I've, I've gotten hit up by companies that I love and they're just asking me to promote the wrong product. And I've had to just pass, had to do a hard pass because it's like, no, that's something that is going to devalue my brand. And that's something you have to look at, you know, is the money that I'm going to make today worth what it's going to cost me in followers and in believability. And, I used to go for, you know, okay, well, they're paying me. I'm going to go go ahead and do this. And after about, you know, the 10th CBD gummy or whatever, you're just like, people hate this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is fair. And does the brand's packaging play a role in what you choose to showcase? Um, yes and no. Um, so getting into packaging, um, a brand packaging, really, I like to show stuff with good packaging. Obviously, packaging is very important for consumer attention. But if you were to get into packaging with concentrate and with just like storage with cannabis, I, that is something that some, I'm very passionate about. That's kind of a pet project more along the lines of Hashimolye. Um, 
we have a major problem in our industry with the way stuff is stored. Uh, my example is, you know, wouldn't store food in something that's not airtight, or actually, I, let's go with liquor or alcohol, beer. You know, you're, anything that's good is going to be in a glass bottle, and it's going to be a dark, you know, darker glass, depending on the alcohol, and especially with like wine, actually wine is probably our better. Let's go with wine here. So wine, you know, your expensive wines or any decent wine is going to be in a darker bottle to prevent any sort of new age wines. And this is why I'm going with this versus beer because beers, some, you know, are meant to be enjoyed fresh. And beers, I kind of would akin to flour and hash, I would do akin to wine in this. But basically, hash and, and flour, anything THC degrades with light and air. So if you're getting either of those things into your product, it is going to oxidize. It is going to degrade. And a what a lot of people don't think about is, yes, your product is great right when you try it, but what's going to happen after it's sitting, up, sitting on a dispensary shelf for up to 9, 10, 11 months? Mm. That's, you know, if it's not stored properly, it's going to oxidize. It's going to break down. You know, terpenes are going to be lost. And what you get is this product that does not look or smell as fresh and taste as good as it should. And a lot of times that completely ruins a product, ruins the consumer's experience for a product. Um, it also ruins the fact that if these products are stored properly, there's a whole new market that we have yet to even explore, which can be rare hash. And storing hash, you know, stuff, the same as wine, stuff that can be stored 5, 10, 15 years, potentially, if it is done right. Mm -hmm. And by right, it needs to be in a completely white block. Um, my recommendation is a Myron glass uh, jar with a proper seal, not these fucking childproof seals. I, the worst thing to ever happen to product storage in our industry is thinking that shit needs to be childproof. Mm. Like, I, if, if we did the same thing with alcohol or, you know, anything else that we did with cannabis, can you imagine, or just medicine, for example, can you imagine somebody with arthritis trying to open these childproof, you know, packaging, which a lot of it is, and I'm just, I feel for the actual legitimate patients out there that are sitting here trying to o o open this impossible to open jar and their hands are so crippled. I mean, does nobody think of that? Yeah. Or, you know, um, if you were to try and open like, or have like a wine bottle that wasn't properly sealed, do you know how disgusting that would be if you sat on the shelf for six months, nine months? Mm. And it was something supposed to be aged, but it all of a sudden, you know, air has gotten into it. It's just, Remember that it's just rancid at this point. People don't think about that, but that is what they're doing to their product. When you put on a child safety lid, when you're storing it in glass that is, you know, that light can get through. And a lot of times, you know, the money is the factor. People look at, well, you know, these are $3 jars. 
versus these are, you know, 50, 10 to 50 cents. And I, I definitely see that. So the thing that I like to, you know, differentiate is if you've got a high-end product, you know, something that, you know, flour that you're selling, you know, above like 50, $60 an eighth, you probably should be opting for a Myron jar. If you're selling below that, you can get away, you know, just a glass steel jar. Same goes for concentrate. You know, if you've got something that you're selling at a $70, $80, you know, a gram, even a $60 a gram price point, if it's at that higher end, you definitely want a longer term storage because you have to think about it. You know, your customers are taking this home. They're consuming it. They're a lot of them, you know, they'll hoard these things for months, if not years, you know, if, if they can, they'll get a little bit of everything. And consumers don't always, and, and shops do not always store products at the temperature that it needs to be. And they don't keep it, you know, in the fridge or refrigerator or, you know, back seal it and put it in the freezer for long-term storage. So you have to think about designing a jar that's going to keep that product as fresh as possible for as long as possible. And I, I feel that keeping your product at its freshest is more important, speaks more volumes, you know, about you as a company and the kind of products that you put out than any sort of cool, you know, branding, gimmicky marketing, uh, gimmicky marketing that you could possibly put on a package. But I do think there is a definite, there is a spot, you know, that if you're at a very lower end, I can see, you know, bottom line and you're, you're at a low end product, you know, your margins are already one to none. Okay, go ahead and opt for the cheaper jar. I, I can, or, you know, the um, little, the bag, whatever, you know, the cheapest way to store your product. Not the greatest, but if, you know, you're looking at such a low volume or, I mean, such a low price point, you know, on your product, I can understand that. It's the same, you know, it's cheap wine. It's, you get boxed wine. <laughs> kind of the same thing. Yeah. Well, it sounds like to me the a theme and what you're talking about is protecting your reputation and be that through carefully deciding what you showcase on your social media or how you package your products that's all part of how your consumers are are perceiving you and your your brand reputation and it sounds like that could be one of the most crucial aspects of of marketing um from your perspective is is how are you managing what viewers see and how they perceive your company Absolutely. Couldn't have summed it up better. It's so important because everybody, that is, that is you. You are your product. You are your brand. You don't want people to think of you as cheap or as something, you know, that goes bad, something that little care or concern was put into. You want people to know when they get your brand, when they get their pro your product, it is consistent every single time. It's something that they're going to enjoy. It's something they can be entertained by. You know, it's something that makes them feel good at the end of the day. I like that a lot. And so you're, you utilize Instagram, it seems like, as your main platform. Are there, are your other channels, um, you know, Facebook or YouTube, are, 
are you utilizing those or are they as important to building your brand as Instagram has been? Um, I'm more Instagram. I'm going to be transitioning more to YouTube. Um, it's trying to look for platforms that are cannabis friendly. Yeah. And YouTube has been a little bit more cannabis friendly. You know, they have, they, they went on their little rampage a few years back, but they're, they're opening up more to things. Uh, another one that surprisingly is the most um, cannabis friendly of all the social media platforms, LinkedIn. Yeah, I've noticed that too. They, well, they, they look at it as we're, you know, we're businesses. We are legitimate tax saying businesses. We should be able to promote our brands and our businesses. And from that, LinkedIn has actually been the most supportive. And I'm trying to do more on that platform. But that is honestly, it's more networking, you know, business to business on LinkedIn. But that's still good, you know, to be able to do, to be able to promote my brand within the industry. Um, because a lot of the stuff that I do is more business to business. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess you kind of have to find a different voice for each platform. You know, like you're a, a model, you're um, doing all of these things with hash and new products. And that lends itself well to the photography focused IG world. Right. And everyone knows that you know, sex sells and marketing, um, and you've used, you know, eroticism in a way as part of your your strategy for IG. Are you finding other ways to translate that to the other platforms? So that's a, that's a tough one. Um, it's actually something, it's kind of how I built up, um, and that's like where I came from. It's something that's hurting me now in trying to actually get my hash sommelier business off the ground. If people hmm. look at those old pictures and all of a sudden a lot of guys, they're, you know, all of a sudden they have ulterior motives when trying to work with you. And that is very frustrating oh. um, because you take you seriously. However, what I will say from a marketing standpoint on Instagram, the only thing Instagram promotes on any of my posts is the sexy pictures. Huh. The only thing, I believe it's the only reason that I've been able to get my account back every single time, to be honest. I feel that there is some tech bro that works in meta somewhere that's like, <laughs> I love these beat dots. We cannot have this go away. <laughs> so I, I feel like that. And I've noticed a lot of cannabis businesses lately. Um, there's been a couple of pages that they kept getting everything flagged, everything taken down, shadow banned. So what they started doing was actually just posting pics of chicks in bikinis. And that got engagement and that got promoted. And so sex sells on Instagram and it's some um, sex is more okay than cannabis for whatever reason. Mm. But if you're a woman also trying to be taken seriously in that space, what can help you can also hurt you. Interesting. I appreciate your um, candidness on that. It's not something that I had thought about being a hindrance as well. It does most definitely is. Because if you look at like a lot of females might be intimidated that would normally hire me 
or want to work with me. And I've noticed that just in the um, interaction I get with my little small hash sommelier page, it gets a lot more female interaction. And that's where I've had more females reach, you know, more women have reached out to me and been like, hey, you know, I would like to do work with you. I'd like to hire you. And they don't even know about my other page that has 70 some thousand followers until after the fact. Mm. So very interesting that, you know, my little page with like 200 followers gets more, you know, noticed more by women and better interaction than my page with 72,000 followers. Wow. And again, it, it goes back to that brand voice. I mean, everything has an impact, I guess. Uh, Absolutely. I, I know I've, I'm going over our 20 minutes that, that you afforded me, and I really appreciate your insight. I've got two more questions for you, if you can spare the time. Um, so I know you said as the hash sommelier, you do cannabis events. Do those kind of play into your marketing strategy as well, cannabis events? Absolutely, because uh, it's, it's marketing for all of us. You know, whenever there's an event, we can promote it. On, I promote it on my page. They promote me on their page, and that's what I actually get most of my new followers, my new likes, most of my content from. Is because that interaction. You know, people interact with the event. People post their pictures from the event. You're able to repost those pictures which in turn, you know, those people follow, like, follow you and engage with you. That That's makes, a great network. Yeah, that, exactly. That makes a lot of sense. That's where we make a lot of our connections in the industry is at events. Absolutely. And because what I do is so interactive, it's very event-based. I mean, I, I can talk to you about pairings all day till I'm blue in the face, but there is nothing like giving somebody a pairing and seeing their face, like their eyes literally light up when they taste that flavor, a combination of whatever food I've given them with whatever terpene combo, you know, strawberries and OG, golden raspberries and Skittles. And you just see it in their eyes. There is nothing that can fake that. And that's when I know I've done my job right. That's awesome. Um, what's next for for the hash sommelier what's on the horizon for you well we're gonna i'm gonna continue to do more events i am going to do more pairing dinners uh with my partner uh cool curated uh we do like a high-end hash pairing dinner i am working with a couple of different companies and brands to bring events and dinners to their place and um, there's going to be some travel events and there's that a lot of travel (laughs) and going to be um i'm going to also work with um brands with pairing and i'm working towards doing a pairing coffee table book ultimately oh cool that'll be awesome um i hope you'll follow up with me when when you get that worked out i think that would be really cool to see well thank you yeah i definitely will i'm yeah, and if any brands want to hit me up too, it would um, just if they have good hash that they want to have paired with something, I'm always open to do that. And so, yeah. 
If you'd like to learn more about emerging cannabis technologies, be sure to like this podcast and subscribe to Cannabis Tech Talks. You can pick up the most recent issue of Cannabis and Tech Today on Barnes & Noble newsstands across the country, or grab a copy for free on canatechtoday.com. This podcast is produced in part by Pretty Easy Podcasts. Visit prettyeasypodcast.com if you're looking for professional production quality at an affordable rate. Until next time, stay elevated. Hey, hello, I'm Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong. Wait, you didn't think people would know who I am? Duracho. Uh, this is Duracho. This is Duracho. This is Duracho. No. Hey, I don't talk like that. You want me to sell this? Buy it. Try Duracho or else. If you want something really nice in your laboratory, buy Duracho. You can't go wrong. This show was produced by Cannabis Tech Today and Pretty Easy Podcasts. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com now if you're looking to get professional production help on your own podcast at an affordable rate. Pretty Easy Podcasts, making podcasting pretty easy.